friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. My name is Chris Rogers and I am your host. So pleased that you have decided to give me a bit of your time today as we explore discipleship, what it means to live for Jesus, living our whole lives for him. Now today's episode is, this is really cool. This is cool, friends. I got to spend a bit of time with Olivia and Marty. Olivia is just incredible. She's uh, involved with uh, Spring Harvest with us, and she is just a wonderful gift. Uh, She preached for us this Easter, and oh my gosh, she was just fab. So, so, so good. She is Elim's first black female executive, and she has been doing a phenomenal job. Um, She is from Birmingham, so she's got a amazing Birmingham accident accent I love it she's brill she's so godly she's so passionate for Jesus she's so passionate for the church she's so passionate for prayer uh, she's so passionate about seeing people coming to know Jesus as I hope and pray that you find this conversation with her just really enthralling and inspiring specifically as we talk about how do we live our lives uh, for Jesus particularly when things Uh, don't always pan out the way that we would like them to pan out. So friends, I hope you find this inspiring today. So let's jump straight in with a conversation with Olivia Marty. Olivia, welcome to Making Disciples. It's so good to have you with me today. Thank you so much, Chris. I'm glad to be here. Brilliant. I've got to ask you, so you're the executive director of Elam? Yes, I am. Executive director. Sounds posh, doesn't it? That is brilliant. <laughs> what does that What does that actually mean when it comes to your daily life? So basically, my role is to look after, or I'm in charge of, all the business, the strategic operations of the Elam churches. Um, the Elim Pentecostal churches, of which there are about 500 plus, both in the UK and Northern Ireland. Um, we have our head office in Malvern, about 90 staff, though some on site, others that work um, remotely. And I'm in charge of most of those as well. So we've got property that we've got to look after. We've got just loads and loads of things as a charity of our size, really. Amazing. So that's my role. Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine. And I mentioned I was speaking to you today, and yeah. Elim, is that is that happy clappy? And I said it's, it's no more happy clappy than I am. <laughs> what I'd say is that it's a joyful church. We are we are unashamedly Pentecostal group of churches. I think if you walked into some of our churches, you'd think, really, um, p- perhaps because they 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 may not be the happy clappy people that people associate a Pentecostal church to be I think we're just followers of Jesus and we express our worship exuberantly I have I have um, so much love for Elim yeah. I've, I've got so many friends who are in Elim and uh, I love it when I'm led in worship by friends of mine yes. who are in the Elim yeah. tradition because they're just Absolutely. so filled with the love and joy yeah. of the Lord in worship um so fantastic i wanted to just ask you um the last couple of years what what for you have you seen the lord doing particularly in elim is there something that's been really encouraging for you uh in what you've seen the lord doing through his people 
Yes, what, what I have seen, of, of course, talk, when we talk about the last couple of years, we're talking about the pandemic, aren't we? Being having our doors shut. But as with many other churches, not only Elim alone, we stepped up and our minister stepped up to the plate by looking quickly <laughs> overnight almost, how do we get church? How do we come outside our walls and get church to the people? And so like many others, we've had to be proficient in Zoom. Teams, other things are available, other websites or platforms are available. And what I've seen God do is through various ministries from those of us who are great with technology to those who aren't, is find new ways, alternative ways of reaching people. And so we've heard wonderful stories of uh, people who would not normally engage in churches and not come to normally access one of our churches or parachurch ministries and just come uh, and find out more about the Lord. One of the things that, that was pioneered as well was Alpha Online mm. by Elim, which was uh, fairly new. So it was purely online. And that, again, brought in a, a, a crop, a harvest of people who wouldn't normally perhaps go to the standard format or couldn't even then. But uh, but what we were able to, to pioneer something fairly new, which is now being moved into its second year, really, albeit with, with some amendments and adjustments. And that's been by one of our evangelists and, and a few uh, of our leaders who have just grasped the nettle and seen and, and asked God, what do we do now? When you've got an obstacle, what do we do that moves us to reach people, especially where they're at, locked in their houses, suffering, often not being able to see loved ones? So I've seen God do some tremendous things. And I think that the, the cost of that has been difficult for some of us, for some of us who've lost, who've lost others, you know, lost loved ones. But we've seen God do something that only God himself can do and reawakened our faith in new ways, certainly mine. And I'm sure for lots of my other colleagues across Elim as well. Mm. That's amazing. Tell us about how you came to faith personally. You just want to talk about Alpha, but how did you come to know Jesus? Um, I came to Christ, to faith, when I was 16 years old. And I came... <laughs> via a friend at school. So I'd gone to this school and I was, I am an introvert, a classic introvert. So I go to school and I'm like, don't talk to me. But I still wanted to be one of the cool girls, you know, the cool girls who had it all going together. And I remember trying so hard to get in with those cool girls, a group, group of about four or five girls. And, uh, and I really wanted to be so much one of them. Um, but I was just too studious to become one of them because they, these were the girls who, you know, perhaps said, I don't really care about education. I don't really care about, I just want to be me. And I'm, you know, going after the boys and all sorts of things like that. And and I tried to do that. And they rejected me soundly many, many times. I think they just, they just tolerated me at the best. And I remember one time when I was with them, with this group of girls, trying my best to, to be one of them. We, there was another girl in my class who was quite meek, but very bubbly in the sense that she had something about her and I didn't know what it was. And other girls, the other these cool girls would look at her and think, <laughs> you know, she's just, you know, she's not to be one of our number. I mean, she's, she's nice in herself, but not to be one of us. Um, and I did the same by mocking her. However, that young girl 
my, you know, that, that, that my peer, I discovered when I talked to her, such a love for Jesus. And I thought, Jesus is just, a church, is just the person that you pray to at Easter and Christmas, surely. No, no, no. He was much more. He was alive. And I was intrigued by that. And then she invited me to church, to her church over the summer. And I decided that I'd go. I don't know why I decided I'd go, but I went. And it was, because uh, I came from, it was a black church. I, I, it was a revival meeting. I don't know if your listeners will know about that. Revival meeting. So you have a really great preacher who's like giving it some. And he's like, ah, and he's shouting and he's talking about Jesus. And I'm sitting there thinking, what on earth is this man on? Because I came from an Anglican church. And I was brought up Anglican, very prim and proper. And he was like, but at the end, he gave an impassioned plea about if you want to know this God, this Jesus, if you want him to wash your sins away, just come to the front. Come and kneel down right now and confess your sins. And I haven't got a clue. One, if I was a sinner, I didn't know what that meant. But do you know, as I sat in that pew, I remember thinking, I remember feeling, I am a sinner. I have no idea. I had no idea how, how I'd never felt so unworthy before this holy God. It's, it's as though the crowd disappeared, everything turned to darkness. All I saw was the light of Christ shining on my soul. I have no idea up to now how I got to the front, but I walked out. It was one of those that made you feel that, come to the front, you sinner, you and everybody would be in their seats, bowing their heads and praying, Lord, reveal the sinners. Well, I was happy to be revealed that day. I went straight to the front. I knelt on my knees. And as I did that, there was a power and a light that I cannot describe that just shone into my soul. And I cried out for forgiveness, repentance. Lord, please forgive me, a 16-year-old, a sinner. And I remember, I remember a, it, it was though, it was almost like a vacuum cleaner that somebody like seemed to have sucked out all the badness. That's how it felt. Um, and I rose up on my knees shouting praises to God in probably louder than that preacher that day because I'd been forgiven. And, and that was such a dramatic conversion for, to me. And I thank God for that because being an extrovert, um, an, an introvert, I would have probably just been, Lord, you know, please, please forgive me and never said anything. But I got up shouting and in, in such praise and thankfulness that I'd been forgiven and and that was such a dramatic conversion for me so I'll never forget that I feel like I've learned a few things there but there's no way you're an introvert I am classic introvert if there was an introversion scale <laughs> I'd be 11 out of 10 I'd be 11 seriously oh, wow. nobody believes I'm an introvert but I am a classic well, it's about how you, you regain your energy, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, but you're somebody, when you're with, you just give it all. I mean, you make people feel special by the way that you engage with them. You, oh, thanks, you, Chris. It may well be that the way you're replenished is introvert, but actually the way you present yourself is... Yes. You, you just ooze that that joy and love that it, it convinces people that you're actually an extrovert. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. So, how, so you went from... Yeah, I think it sounds like you went from knowing something about faith to this thing where actually you came to faith. Yes. But but post that point, what, what, how old were you there? You said you were 16. 16, 16. Post that point, you then had to try and work out what it meant to actually be a disciple of Jesus. Yes. Because the difference between belief 
and actually yes. following. And there's a cost in this, isn't there? It transitions there from one to the other. You know, it always, I love one of my favorite passages has to be Mark 8, 34, when Jesus says he gathers the crowds and the disciples around him. And then he says, if you want to be my disciple, obviously speaking to the crowds now, yes. those that know him but didn't follow, if you want to be my disciple, pick up your cross and follow me. There's a cost to this discipleship. I'd yeah. love to hear for you what, you know, what was that? like in those early you know you were 16 17 18 19 how did you work out your faith at that point yes it's such such a good question um and you know when i knew i was coming on to this podcast it made me really think and, and of course i've been a christian for many years since then and it still costs but the early years were difficult as you can imagine an impressionable 16 year old who wants to be liked and wants to be in everything and being soundly rejected now, not because I wasn't one of the cool girls, but also because I was I was um, a follower of Jesus. And I made that quite plain. I was a follower of Jesus. And for me, um, learning to follow Jesus meant that I had to re-engage with this ancient text that I had no idea about, called the Bible. What does it mean? How do I do that? Um, and I had good mentors who helped me to understand the word. Um, but I also understood that that you said you talked about Mark 8. Um, I, I went to Luke, it's the same one, Luke 14, 27. It says, whoever doesn't um, doesn't carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And I took that quite dis quite seriously. And so um, working that, well, that, 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 uh, that meant to me in those early days certainly was making sure that I had a quiet time. So I was learning how to pray, sometimes for all of, you know, 10 seconds. That was, oh, that's a long prayer. <laughs> and then learning how to recognise that because I'd had this dramatic conversion, I knew, I knew that, that there was God. I knew that he was around me. I knew that he was there. So it wasn't so difficult for me Um to, to have that love for him. But of course, as life gives way, as you get older, as you encompass more, the cost is greater as you're starting to go to college, as you're starting to get your first job. Then the cost for me, carrying my cross meant that I had to purposely, intentionally seek him, seek his way, mm. seek what he wanted me to do in this circumstance. And so, I became, I came to learn how to follow him through every single circumstance of my life. When I didn't get to, when I didn't pass my A-level or one of the A-levels that I needed, what does that mean? Well, that hurt, um, but carrying my cross for me at that, in how I worked that out was, well, Lord, you know, I didn't get what I wanted, but neither did you, <laughs> you know, some things went wrong clearly wrong for you too so i'm learning that carrying my cross means i don't get you know there's going to be an element of disappointment with certain things certain things are not always going to work for me the way i want it to work but you have you are sovereign in all of this it means also that i have to sacrifice and sacrificially means that i have to give but give up my life as well give up my i say give up your life it sounds as though i'm you know i, I but it means learning to put my desires in train and aligning them to God's will and to God's purpose. 
and trusting him to open the door, to swing open the doors for me that he wants for me mm. through prayer, but also through discernment and learning to be with him. And, I, and I'm still learning that. I'm still learning what it means to carry a cross, if I'm honest. And I'm, I'm still learning what it means to follow Jesus. Mm. Happy to take any more questions. Mm. No, it's, it's, it's good, isn't it? Because I think... Um, when Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me, well, okay, right, I'll do that. But what does that mean? Yeah. What does that actually look like? And we often stand up in church and say, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you to follow Jesus. Yeah. How is that costing? And it's not until you start living, it's almost like the moment you start walking the steps out of Jesus. Yes. You start realizing, actually, there's a cost here to this. Yeah. I can't do what I would normally want to do. I can't yes. behave the way I would normally want to behave. Yes. And it's now costing me. And I often, um, I love uh, the word first, because at first in your finances, first in your intentions, first yes. in your relationships, first in your sex life, and first in your time. Yes. And these are these you know five ways that God wants you to put in first. And the moment you start doing that, the cost doesn't map to what society wants. It doesn't map to what your family wants. It doesn't map to what you want. And that's where the cost comes in, isn't it? It, it that's yeah. where it gets hard. Absolutely. I mean, I, I was, I, I loved. Um, I was thinking when you asked me about, to to take part in this podcast, I was, there was a scripture that came, and I'm just looking it up now. Two Samuel twenty four twenty four, and it's from King David, who was going to, um, he was offered a field to offer a sacrifice, and the ki the, the person that is called Aruna, had said. Now here's the field and I'll give you the oxen as well. And I'll give you everything you need to make the sacrifice to God. And King David said, I will not take from you that which costs me nothing. Mm. Because he recognized that if I'm going to offer something to God and you've given me the sacrifice, then it's cost me nothing. Mm. And, 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 and I remember, and that scripture came to the fore so, so suddenly for me, what once you'd asked me about doing this. And I thought, Lord, in all my life, and I've been a Christian for many years, is that I, I've tried to do things. I, I know that the cost for you costs me in the time. And I don't want to ever give anything back to you that costs nothing. I think Bonhoeffer, it was just talked about cheap grace when he, when he talks about um, Christians who um, have become so used to the world's way of doing something that really Christ for them, following Christ is like, well, it's like doing going for the weekly shop. Hmm. It becomes a normalized way of almost doing Christianity. But actually, my faith is being. And because it costs Jesus, if to be like him means that it's going to take something from us as well. It's an intentionality. In, in all things, you know, so you talk about time. It's one of the most difficult, you know, everyone's busy, aren't they? Mm. So drastically busy these days. It's, it's the, one of our, the things of our society now. But to, to follow Jesus, to take up my cross means I have to make time. I can't find the time because I'll never find time. I have to make the time. I have to carve out the time to be with him. And I have to carve out the time to build my relationship with him. And I, that costs me when I don't do that because my decisions become a little bit more suspect. I become a little bit more impatient with my loved ones. 
the scriptures and the seems to be a little further away. But when I've taken the time to give Jesus, to ask him, what do you think, Lord? Like you said about first, mm. when I'm dealing with people that I don't necessarily want to deal with or they are difficult lord what would you have me do what would you want me to speak into this situation how do you want me to respond to this that's what it's cost it costs me to do that but it also costs me financially too as it will do to give to others who don't have to give sacrificially mm. to give um my energies to causes that you know i, I could do with going on holiday but actually to do this for that particular time would meant, mean that I've missed out or uh, missed an opportunity to do something else. So mm. there's always a cost of discipleship, mm. I feel. Mm. I once heard J. John say uh, at this line, if if it's cost you nothing, did it cost you anything? I was like, yes. no, because it's cost me nothing. So it hasn't cost me anything. But what is it? I loved it. If it's cost you nothing, has it cost you anything? And 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 actually, when it comes to our discipleship, to ask ourselves that question, has it actually cost me something? Yeah. If it hasn't, it's cost me nothing. Yeah. The call of discipleship is costly. And then, therefore, just to ask ourselves, where am I at the moment checking out of being a disciple because I'm not taking the cost of it? It's It's too easy. Yes. Uh, it should and, and, and you know we were just talking off air you know i've just come back from iraq with open doors and to see the cost of living for jesus in in iraq yeah. is just incredible and, you know to call it to even call it a cost because it's just tragic what brothers and sisters are living in in places like iraq and and uh, syria and iran um therefore to ask myself what is it really costing me to be a disciple, should I actually be um, putting something about Jesus forward in my life more? So it is costing me. That yeah. that is that is a challenge, isn't it? It um, is. So you started following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Started working out this was going to cost you a little bit. Where is it in the last couple of years? You know, you've matured into your faith now. You're living for Jesus. You've you, you've got this sussed. But then Jesus always gets us, doesn't he? He always gets us with a, no, yeah. there's more cost. You know, where have you experienced the cost uh, of following Christ in the last few years for you? Yes. Um, there's a, there's a number, there are a number of things, Chris. Some, some of them are deep, deeply personal things. Um, but I'll share them because I think it may, it may help others, really. The, the cost of following has meant that um, I'm, I'm a single woman. Um divorced um, and have been living um, single with a son and some of the cost for me has been personal because um, and I'll share this because I'm sure that it will it will benefit somebody who's listening here Um, for those of us who are some who are single who want to be married that's been a difficult thing Mm. because it's not that there are any short shortage of, of, of men but godly men who want to serve god and are I'm not talking raving loonies for jesus i'm not talking about that but men who want to step up to the play and be um and, and just partner with you in and and serve jesus well they're few and far between and i've i've met some that i've thought oh this could go some way but then after a time you discover that actually they don't really love jesus at all and so you have to think do i love jesus more than being in a couple mm. 
and I love Jesus more. Mm. And that's been really hard. Mm. I love Jesus more than that. You know, and, and there's a temptation to compromise. Well, it's just the way he is. He'll come round once he sees my faith. Well, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to know anything. It doesn't pray. He doesn't want to know. Well, it'll be okay. After a time, let's just live for Jesus and see what happens. But then when you get into the prayer closet or when you get into your place with Jesus and you think, Lord, this will cost me. The cost of going down this road is going to be much more costly in the end. I've got to leave that behind. And so walking away from relationships is difficult. So that's one. I think the other one is is um, is about is is in my my role of serving of of being a pastor because I pa- helped to co-pastor a small uh, church. Really, is the cost of laying your life out for others to see, so that they may see Jesus through, so that they first see, as you said, first see Christ. Mm. So that means for me. <laughs> giving up more time, um, investing more in people, which means I've got less time for me, especially over the pandemic where you're ministering to loved ones as well, those who've lost loved ones um, in the black community, especially black and brown people mm. lost a lot of other, of their um, of their loved ones because of the pandemic especially when it first hit disproportionately more so than than others um and so i have when i counted at the end of the coming towards the end of the pandemic i'd known about 20 people that i'd lost including my father being one of them and the grief of carrying the loss of my father plus ministering to others who are suffering loss or going through long covid or the difficulty and picking up the pieces of that that's been costly but you lay it all down because you love jesus and because you know that following him um is the way to go because following him i have something that he's given me to give to others so that's costly um, but you know what it's done in all of this is given me a love for Jesus that I'd never had before. Mm. It's almost um, the rekindling, you know, to, the, talking when, when, when Paul says to Timothy to fan into flame. Mm. It feels like there's nothing like adversity mm. that fans us into flame for those of us who are perhaps a bit compromised, perhaps a bit um slow about our faith perhaps not so bold so courageous i am now much more courageous and i use that courage advisedly i use it reservedly i use it um as led by the holy spirit but i'm much more it's much easier for me now to say can i may i pray for you those christians are non-christians how could i pray for you what can i do to help you I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I know that may not mean nothing, uh, may, may not mean much to you, but I'd love to pray for you. Or I'd love to do something um, that may may help you. May I send you a card? May I write you a letter? I learned the, 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 over the lockdown, the beauty of just writing letters again, just writing letters so that somebody receives something through the post other than an email. And so it, it's little things like that, that all costs us, but it means, you know, part of that costing for me 
is laying down your life and laying down your life as Jesus did is, is to make your life open. It's an open book now for others. Thank you so much for your honesty. I think there's, there's there's a number of things that you just said that will really strike home with people. I think that cost, uh, the word you used was compromise. And it's so easy to compromise what yeah. God wants for our lives because we want a quick fix or we want, yes. we want to feel some sense of wholeness that we think we'll only have by having something like a relationship yes. so we compromise um and you know i've got a number of friends who've made that compromise and then as the years have gone by they've said you know what i'm not sure it was quite worth what i thought it was going to be worth yeah and, you know i you know love you know one friend particularly said you know i enjoy that i'm married i do love this person but actually that compromise has meant that i've not been able to do yeah. what you know this one particular friend who who there's quite clearly a calling on their life to minister and pastor but they're like i can't move forward with that because my partner wants nothing to do with the church yeah i just can't i now can't progress what the lord is putting on me because of this commitment i've made here yes because of compromise and that's really 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 difficult um I'm going to land the podcast in a slightly different place to where I thought. I'd love to just ask you this question. If somebody has compromised, if somebody's made a decision, let's, you know, like a relationship or in, a, in, in another area, and it's meant now that they, they're not able to maybe lean into what God wants for them because they're living a slightly different life, what, what would you say to somebody who's in a place where they've made decisions, their life has maybe not panned out the way that they thought God might want it to and now it's meant that some doors have closed that they're unable to progress what would you say to somebody in that place who who's going right well I am surrounded by those that don't love the Lord and uh, I am in a place where in a workplace maybe where um I've you know I've made decisions and yeah what would you say to somebody in that place who's compromised who yes. can't make a radical, you know, they, they, they can't suddenly change some of those compromises because no. of the they've made in them. But how do you then move forward as a disciple in that place? So I would say the first thing is to recognise where we have done wrong, really, and where we may have compromised. And, and I love being honest with the Lord, you know, where I've done something wrong. You know, the first thing is just to confess it, Lord. You know, I, I may not have made the right choices. And all of us have done that. Whether it's you, you consider it to be a big choice or a small choice, it doesn't really matter the size of it. The point is, we've we've done something that that may not have pleased you, Lord, but here we are. And um, according to a book title that I love, it says God allows U-turns, <laughs> and and He redeems only He through the Holy Spirit can redeem that situation. What I would say is flourish where you are, because you know the Lord is able only he through his holy spirit is able to make good that which no one else can ever turn around none of us in our human strengths could do that but he somehow because he is god and sovereign allows us to flourish and to thrive right where we are so if we've made compromise in our relationships let's love the let's love right where we are we say god we thank you for this individual this person this situation now how do i thrive and show you put you first in this situation how do i make choices that may be hard for me but also show your love to those around that i'm surrounded with and surrounded by because we know that wherever jesus went he made a difference 
people could pick him out. He, they knew, yeah, that's, there's something, I, I might not like him, but there's something about him. And I remember my friend who, who taught, who, who was the one who led me to Jesus, you know, this wonderful little, and she was small, <laughs> little human being who, who just loved Jesus right where she was and didn't really give a toss about whether you liked you 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 subscribe to her faith or not and and part of that is how do we serve jesus relevantly to those our loved ones whether their faith their faith filled or not how do we serve them how do we um and how do we show and demonstrate the love of christ to them because it may be that what we do helps them to see jesus in another way that's the most important thing, really, to serve Christ and to thrive and to flourish right where we are, regardless of the circumstances or the situations, knowing that he's got this. Oh, man. Oh, man. Olivia, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Today. All right. You're just absolutely awesome. And uh, if anybody wanted to just follow you or, you know, are you on Twitter, Instagram? Are you on any? Are you on anything? <laughs> Do you just hide under a rock like an introvert? I have not been. I'm not on Twitter. I am not on Insta. I I, I know I perhaps should be, but I, I don't know. No, I, so I, I'm, I'm not followable <laughs> <laughs> at the moment. But I, I am aware that I need to do these things. It's something that I'm, I'm going to try to do. But, you know. Well, what I would <laughs> say is, there is there's an absolutely outstanding sermon on EC Go. Uh, essential Christian go um, from Spring Harvest this year that you gave you preached oh, for Spring Harvest yes. and it was just awesome my guys at church loved it just thought you were so so amazing in the way that you shared the gospel that but that challenge for the way that we live so there's definitely a place that people can head uh, and hear more of thank you Olivia you. thank you thank so much I pray that you have a great day thank you very much grace and peace